Welcome back to Club Hop. Real quick, before we begin, is there anything that I might have maybe not touched on as much as you would have liked, something that you had really wanted to address here that I just, you know, maybe didn't get the time to do? Um, I mean, I, I'm not sure that anybody who wasn't already familiar with Catholicism would come out with any more knowledge. <laughs> maybe that they had before that'd be the only thing uh you know you know i, I <laughs> you know i think i just put a little shout out we're a christian religion uh we believe in apostolic succession uh, in the bible in the catholic church being the one true church of god uh, feel free to come meet us at mass or at family dinner that blurb was brought to you by the columbia catholic ministry as you've probably already guessed they're the campus organization operating specifically and exclusively for only the most devout of practicing Catholics, right? So I think you have to look at what are the activities that a club actually does. This is the ministry's undergraduate co-president and member of the college's 2021 graduating class, Drake Carr. And, and what are the kind of things that, you know, could be a place for people that aren't Catholic to come kind of meet us at? So one of the greatest things that, you know, we probably get the biggest attendance at is just the masses that we have on campus. We Every Friday on Sunday, we had a mass on the, in the chapel that is completely free and open for anybody to come sit down, see what a service might be like. Um, and of course, just receive, you know, some spiritual direction from our chaplain. And of course, he also has open, out, open office hours. He's, you know, very directly connected with our ministry. He has an office down at Earl Hall that anybody is welcome to come talk to. Um, and of course, we also have our family dinners, and that's probably where we have the most interaction with people outside of the ministry that, you know, maybe have had never had any Catholic, uh, you know, exposure at all. Is we have a little dinner up at the rectory on 121st Street, and a lot of people, you know, invite their friends, anybody that they're willing to invite, and we just have dinner and hang out as a community. Um, and, and of course, you know, there's not necessarily any very explicit religious programming there. It's just us having dinner and talking with people. And of course... I mean, there's, I let some other people talk about the many, many other club activities that we have, but probably the place that people um, are exposed to us for the first time the most is at family dinner. And then if not, they're just very curious. Of course, mass is something that's always open to anybody. One big thing about the CCM community is just being that welcoming place. Like wherever you're at, um, the community and the fellowship is always there. You know, if you haven't gone to mass in a few years, that option is there for you. Astrid Leiden is not a board member. Yet, she's CC class of 2023 and is one of CCM's sophomore student leaders. Um, but not at all like an exclusive club where you have to, you know, the, it's really community before anything else um, and fellowship and inviting people into Bible studies, you know, wherever they're at at their faith, wherever they are, whether they're someone who's going to mass every day or whether they're someone who hasn't gone to mass in years, you know, just having those shared beliefs, that shared desire to be in community with others and us living our faith through our actions is really a key point, I think, of CCM and why we're um, not exclusive, but rather like inclusive in light of our faith, in the in in kind of like being inspired by our faith. We don't really see it as, you know, we are the Catholics, and we might invite some other people to events, but they're not really part of our group. Virginia Agnelzi, college class of twenty two, is the undergraduate service chair who want to love God and, you know, some people might feel uncomfortable expressing themselves like that, but we're all just, you know, people and we want to interact with each other and we are doing our best to, to be good people. And, you know, we, we put on events and we, you know, we want to do good things for people. 
You might have noticed that I referred to Dre as one of the undergraduate's co-presidents. That's because I apparently talked to only half of the ministry. One of the coolest things about the graduate uh, program specifically, and something that a lot of people on campus have no idea about, is that there is actually a designated graduate housing building just for Catholic students. Um, and so Ford Hall, if you look that up, that's a place that a lot of Catholics that are part of the graduate ministry, they live. Um, there's actually a chapel there. Our chaplain actually goes and says mass there at least once a week, usually I think on Thursday nights. Um, besides that, most of the events are very integrated. Uh, undergraduates are a lot of times very welcome to go over there and have dinner with them um, or hang out, use the chapel. And of course, they're welcome to come to dinner and, and we all go to the same masses, usually on Sundays. They have a uh, graduate president and she or he will a lot of times do some kind of social events that are just for the graduate students. Because obviously, you know, they have a big difference in their lifestyles being graduate students. And a lot of them, you know, have more experience in their life. And so sometimes they like to kind of have that kind of older uh, company. Okay, that's enough about grads. I'm talking to the undergrads. How does that board operate that side of the ministry? Ricardo Mercado. CC22. Um, I, for one, am the social chair, and I'm in charge of putting together family dinners when we were actually, you know, on campus in person. Um, and I was also in charge of, like, putting together uh, other social events. I really try to push CCM to kind of be a part of the greater New York Catholic community uh, rather than just being on campus. And so we, we went and did other things. Um, at other churches across New York City and things like that. So uh, my role is service coordinator, which obviously is a, a little different this semester, not being in person on campus, you know, in the past as service coordinator, um, planning events where we go out and serve the community, often working with orders, religious orders in the city, like the Missionaries of Charity, um, the order started by uh, St. Teresa of Calcutta, um, other great orders like um, the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, um, writing letters to inmates on death row, things like that. This semester is a little different. What I'm working on right now is planning a speaker series on the Corporal Works of Mercy, so look out for that if you're interested. But the great thing about our board, I think, is that we have set roles that you know generations and generations of students have been in and have sort of established what they mean. So like the retreat coordinator plans the retreats and you can sort of draw on that experience. But if you need, you can talk to the other board members and every week on Tuesday nights, we'll come together and we'll meet and we'll talk about it. And if you need to ask questions, you can. Or if you want, you can text the old retreat coordinator, for example, and you can ask if you need help. One of the great things that we've done in the last couple of years is try to remind ourselves that just because you're, you know, the board is for people just to have specific kind of administrative duties that they have to do. And of course, there's some sense of moral leadership there as well. But we want to make sure that that moral leadership side, which is, you know, essential to Catholicism is spread out through the entire ministry. You know, it doesn't mean just because you have a specific um, spot on the board that you can't lead other events, that you can't be a leader, um, that you can't lead a Bible study, that you can't lead a book club. Um, and, or have anything or, you know, talk to anything there. We just have these roles so that we can get those events kind of scheduled so that we can get those done really efficiently so that we can at least have some kind of core um, of leadership that makes things, everything gets done. That absolutely is not, you know, the be all end all of what leadership is in the ministry. 
Yeah, I was just going to say that, like, as I'm the only non-board member in this group, um, and I've kind of, you know, am in the position, like, student leader, like, leading Bible studies, like Dre said, and, like, leading other events, you know, the openness of the board, I think, to, like, you know, invite those of us not on the board to a board meeting to kind of propose an idea. Like, this week, I'll be coming in to, like, propose an idea that I've talked with a few people on the board with, and, you know, other ideas or events or visions that we may have, but we're not on the board. Um, that doesn't really matter in terms of CCM. You know, there's always someone who's willing to talk to you about it or, you know, someone who's on the same page with you, um, even if we're not on the board, just in a way to help not to take away anyone's role, uh, but rather to just supplement and do what we can to grow the ministry in our own way. Of the many events that the board helps put together, only one has so far been mentioned extensively. So I do want to ask about this family dinner. And so, Ricardo, you might be able to help me out here a little bit. Uh, just you guys tell me about these, right? So have any of you guys cooked for the events before? Like how I understand that everyone has to prepare their own thing. I just want to get a better sense of how these things come together. Yes, yes. Um, so um, as I said, I'm the one in charge of organizing the family dinners. Um, so traditionally, what CCM had done in the past um, was doing just pasta dinners every Tuesday, and some of the members of CCM would get together at the rectory of the church on 121st Street, Corpus Christi, and they just cook dinner for a couple of people who showed up. Typically, we have between 15 to 20, maybe a little bit more sometimes. Um, and so, so it's, you know, it's cooked by us. We don't, you know, order from anywhere or anything like that. One thing I, I try to change or I guess push a little myself was to kind of expand our menu. Um, <laughs> and, so, uh, and so, you know, I was trying to cook other things. Um, I'm Mexican. Um, and so I brought in some Mexican recipes. And also if other people wanted to, you know, suggest something, you know, come on over and we'll cook it. Right. Um, so it really, I think, does build a sense of community uh, in, in two ways. One, we get together to cook meal for ourselves and for our peers, right? And as Dre said earlier, anyone can come to these family dinners. Actually, we have uh, a student from, I think he's from the Bronx and goes to the community college up in Manhattan, um, so he's not even from Colombia, but he comes to the family dinners every Tuesday. And, you know, we have people like that. Sometimes people bring their friends and things like this. So it's a very open, very open place. Ken, it's really great what Ricardo has done with the, the family dinners, not just because I got really tired of pasta every Tuesday. They become more popular, I think. Um, and it's kind of cool to think that like there's one person who's been going to family dinner who's not actively in CCM um, but I see him outside of CCM and it was at family dinner where we met and now we're kind of friends so like we get to see each other it's like oh my gosh I know you from family dinner and that's like a great like meeting place and a great starting place um, and like has been said you know inviting people who aren't of our faith just to like share a meal I mean like that's universal that's not just a catholic thing and I think that's really cool it's like sharing a meal um, and we do pray before we eat and we do um, have father Dan our chaplain you know oftentimes like have a little reflection or lead us in prayer or anything before we eat. Um, but it's nice just because like sharing a meal is so universal, right? Everyone does it in their own tradition. Um, but really having that faith base for us is, is a great thing to have um, to share with others. You guys have the family dinners, but you also have 
A few more, I guess, maybe more serious events. Um, so one thing that I've heard about is your lecture series, especially this uh, Merton lecture. I'm not quite sure what the Merton lecture is. Uh, so if you could uh, help me understand like what that is, it seems like a very important thing in CCM. So Thomas Merton was a uh, young man who actually went to Columbia University. And he uh, wrote, well, he, he ended up converting to Catholicism, basically, and he became a monk. And uh, he wrote a very, very popular book called The Seven Story Mountain. And that that's, you know, and he wrote a ton of other books as well. He traveled all over East Asia, um, South Asia, kind of, you know, in interfaith dialogue with a lot of people. And he became uh, some somewhat famous, uh, at least definitely in the in Catholic circles, he became fairly famous. And so eventually they named this lecture series after him. So a lecture series open to all students for monks to speak at. There was a year that, there, that somebody came. Uh, this is actually before my time, but she had worked on like the lord of the rings films um she and but she was she was a catholic and she had some, some very interesting things to relate that to her faith uh we have a lot of you know uh i mean it's, it's a wide variety of people usually it's people that just know things about um have there's so there's such a wide variety we had an astronaut come one time um and he talked about you know catholicism from space and he had he brought he had brought a vatican flag up there and he talked about how his faith had led him through the journey of being an astronaut and how that kind of gave him strength there. Um, so that's just kind of the, the kind of more far out examples, but also there's just regular um, priests or bishops. Now, the Merton lectures and the family dinners are only a fraction of the events that CCM puts on. And a lot of what they do, from retreats to rosary sessions, is very communal. How do you commune, however, over Zoom? I guess just broadly speaking, like, how is CCM preparing to tackle this fall semester? Um, the idea of first-year outreach. That was really a big thing for us in establishing um, community and transforming events to be online. And like other members of the board are going to speak much more in depth about what that transition has looked like. Um, but just how do we welcome in a community that has never been physically part of the community, right? And that was definitely a big thing um, in having, you know, we had a Zoom call with all of the incoming first years from Columbia and Barnard at the beginning of the summer um, with the missionaries, we do have four focus missionaries, which is Fellowship of Catholic University students, um, four full-time missionaries out of college that work with us um, leading Bible studies and discipleship and other things. But we did have them um, on this call kind of to welcome students and to kind of build community, even though there hasn't been a physical one, because the other aspect of CCM is how do we transform a physical community into a virtual one versus this one is there never has been a physical community. Um, so really making sure that at the core of all the events of all the Zoom calls is community and fellowship before kind of agenda, I'd say, um, and making sure that while we are doing, you know, we do have Tuesday night large group and we are leading the rosary over Zoom once a week and doing the Divine Mercy Chaplet once a week, as well as other online events. Um, how do we put community and fellowship within that rather than it just being, you know, someone behind a screen, I think is really important. So integrating more informal events, integrating more community fellowship, um, we had a little informal game night a few weeks ago. Um, it was just like a fun way. It was like super low key. It was just fun um, over Zoom. And it was like, even though it was just a few of us, it was really nice to see that like that community is already building, even though half of the people on the call had never met in person. Um, so there's definitely like a division in terms of like, you know, what has been the focus of CCM and transforming to virtual versus creating from the ground up a virtual community and virtual ministry. 
Um, but I think that like the way that's been doing so far, and I think the rest of the board can can chime in on this too, is just, um, you know, fellowship and community first. Those relationships are super, super strong. And without that, um, the foundation of a virtual ministry doesn't, you know, follow through as strong as it can. That is a good answer from Astrid. Also recognizing that this is not forever and looking forward to the future as well. Um, but in the meantime, we're focusing a lot on rooting ourselves in prayer because that's one of the um, biggest things that finds our most important things that binds us together. Because even though we can't go to mass right now, we can, um, we can still pray together in other ways. Uh, we've been, like Astrid said, we've been praying the, um, the chaplet of divine mercy. We've been praying the rosary together. We've been reading scripture together and soon in a couple of weeks, Bible studies will start up again or maybe in a week or two. And that's just one of the strongest and most important parts of our ministry. And that's, you know, what makes us Catholic. So to have that and have that be really strong, even if it's in a different form, I think is, is going to be key throughout this semester. Pandemics tend to have this reputation for being life-altering events, and life-altering events can strengthen one's faith in their religion or shake their faith irreparably. With that in mind, I asked, how does a religious organization on campus help strengthen faith at this time, right? So does dealing with this pandemic change the responsibilities of a campus faith organization? I would say one big thing um, that I've heard both in CCM and outside of CCM um, is that a ministry can't be strong if it's only event-based. Um, and I think now more than ever, a lot of faith communities in CCM has been great with this is putting relationship and fellowship um, this, like before events, like, right, like we're building relationship with people and then we're inviting them to um, join a Bible study and then we're inviting them to come to our events. Um, and as much as, you know, we are doing a lot of, um, like I'm helping with social media right now is like, you know, a lot of events and like welcoming people and like, you know, come to our events, come to our events. But if you're not doing that personal invitation and really desiring that personal connection with someone, it feels very much that clubs and ministries are just, um, you're just one more, you're just a name to them, you're just a uni to them, kind of. I think it's a really big responsibility for ministries is to realize that like, okay, events come and go, unfortunately, like events can be canceled because of room bookings, events can be canceled because of internet issues, right? Um, but like, we're really united in community and prayer and fellowship. Um, we're doing book studies online. We did a book study a few weeks ago. We're still doing online Bible studies. Um, my friend and I, Zoe, we're doing some women's events throughout the summer, just like informal Zoom calls, really just to build that community and fellowship. Um, so it's really great opportunity for us to do things outside of formal programming um, alongside it, of course, but realizing that fellowship community, you know, being there for people is really the priority that people are looking for right now. Um, when you're when you're looking through a computer screen versus actually being there, that is something that I think needs to be really emphasized. And in Catholicism, is maybe different than maybe an average Protestant Christian sect. Is that we believe in the physicality of of the sacraments and you needing to be there physically for them to receive, you know, the full outpouring of that. And so it's a much it's a it's a very sad thing that we're unable to go to mass, that people in quarantine are unable to go to mass, um, that masses have been canceled, that confessions have been canceled. Um, and that our usual holy hour on Thursdays has been canceled. So, I, you know, it's it's important to keep these, the, again, these events and these relationships going, but it's always with the idea that in the future, we're going to be able to return to a concrete in the world form of this. And that, and we know, and, and, and you know, kind of have to remind ourselves of that sadness and not not kind of push it to the side and say it doesn't matter. Because we, we, as part of our faith, we need to remember, remind people that it does matter. 
And that's what we should be working for is, is to, you know, have concrete, real instances of faith in our life in the real world. Um, and so, and so that, that would be something that I would just want to tell people, especially when people get discouraged and not being able to have this, you know, there's, there's, it's kind of like when you're mourning over something, you should be sad for a few moments that something so sad has happened, but, uh, you know, we're looking forward. That's not, that's not the end of it, right? So. While these past few months have seen the world consumed with news of the pandemic, here in the States, we've also seen a rise in news concerning this country's movements for racial justice. CCM's board talked at length about the church's role in that moment and about the recent list of demands penned by the mobilized African diaspora. In the interest of keeping this episode as short as reasonably possible, however, that conversation will be offloaded to an extra episode. Look out for that episode in the show feed. Should you ever find yourself on the ministry's website looking for club info, you'll likely come across this line. Feel free to email our priests, missionaries, or any of our student leaders. On its face, the phrase is a simple call to action, but then you realize that this line holds students in equal regard with priests and missionaries when it comes to advocating for an entire religion. Does that kind of responsibility to being these kind of stewards of faith affect the way that you guys present yourselves on campus or in public? Like, how does it affect your day-to-day -day life just being this very public face of Catholicism on campus? I think that's a very uh, neat question. Um, because uh, for me personally, um, it might be different for others, but I don't feel a burden, shall we say, that, oh, I have to, you know, always be a certain type of way. Um, probably my friends here, Dre and Astrid, can tell you that I'm quite a bit of an eccentric personality. Um, and, you know, being Catholic is just a part of who I am and my identity, right? Um, so I guess. To, to, to answer the question is me in public, you know, I try to be the best person I can be towards everyone. And I think that's just a universal thing. No matter what faith you're part of, you, you know, try to be a good person with others. You try to be welcoming. You try to, you know, not cause any harm to anyone else. Um, of course, that that's informed in part by my faith, but it's not you know, everything. We're called to be as perfect as we can be no matter what. But with that said, just for me, psychologically and personally as well, it does it does kind of give me a burden. You know, I I I'm constantly reminded of the responsibility that I have um for the ministry and not only for the I mean through the ministry, you know, some sense for people's spiritual well being. And that is that is a tough thing to think about if you think about it too much. Um but you, you know I do try to Everybody in the board tries to do their best to do their job, um, what they have to do with it. And it's a limited job. Um, Catholicism has always had a strong tradition of the clergy taking the lead on a lot of issues um, and being the spiritual, you know, shepherds for their flocks, so to speak. So some of that is kind of taken off of me. Um, and, and it just makes Paul Dan's burden so much stronger, right? But, uh, but you know, it, it's Catholicism is a very serious call. It's a very serious thing that it should impact your entire life. And you can't kind of just flippantly, you know, put it to the side um, and think that it's you're going to get where you want to go with it. Um, and so just having this extra burden of being the president is exactly, is just a good reminder, a constant reminder to me um, to the very heights that I'm called to uh, 
you know, to the imitation of Jesus Christ, the imitation of his saints, Mary. Um, and it's, a, it's an incredibly, incredibly hard thing to actually succeed at doing, but it's, it's what we're called to do. And, um, and I, I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, that's, that's, it's a higher call maybe than if I, if I didn't have my faith, but I do have it. And I'm very thankful to be reminded of it every day, um, you know, by having given this position of leadership. Yeah, I would agree with what both Ricardo and Dre have said, but I also think that one important thing is that before me, like obviously like Dre and Ricardo being representatives of CCM on the board, right? And me, like people know that I'm in CCM. Before even that, they know me as like my faith, right? And like Catholic, like even though CCM is like part of what my faith is, right? Like it's not the end all be all. Like a lot of my actions, a lot of my things aren't determined necessarily by the by community I'm in, but just by the faith that I believe in. Um, and I think that, you know, I have run into conflicts, um, not necessarily with like people like, oh my gosh, you're in CCM, like there, there is a conflict there, but rather my faith, like, oh my gosh, you're a Catholic, like I have things I want to tell you, like things you don't believe, things I don't like about you, like whatever, right? Um, and I've had these discussions in class with friends. Um, and I think one thing for me is that like, again, my faith tells me and like um, the beliefs that I have like as you know someone knowing that I'm a Bible study leader for CCM or things like that um is that like I act on my faith like my faith is a part of me it's not a separate it's not like there's you know maybe at once there was like a you know Catholic asteroid and then like I don't know other asteroid right like I don't know everyone has that identity crisis I guess you could say um but I think just like having it now ingrained in my daily actions like the reason I do things is because of my faith like the like, to be fully honest, the reason that I'm studying, majoring in, I'm majoring in human rights and Latin American studies, the reason I'm majoring in that is very ingrained in my faith. The reason that I'm in a lot of my groups and my communities is because of my faith, because my faith, um, you know, teaches me to be this, and my faith is, informs me that, um, you know, these issues are important or because of whatever. Um, but I don't think, for me, it's definitely not a burden. Um, Just one more point I'd like to say uh, before we move on to the next question um, is, you know, one thing that I really like about Catholicism is its name. You know, the word Catholic means universal. And what's really neat about Catholicism is that it's, it's a very diverse faith in terms of the people who make up the church, the people who make up Catholicism. Um, and you see this nowadays, and you also can see it with the stories of the saints. You know, you have some saints who were, you know, your traditional, who lived a priestly life, who were nuns and things like this. And then you have those other saints who were also eccentric personalities, but who led a good life. And through that tradition, I see we have very many different examples of what a good moral spiritual life can be. And, and it's just, you know, the three of us might have slightly different ideas, um, you know, on our own personal basis, but we all share those same beliefs that we are meant and we are called by God to be good people towards, you know, towards everyone. Finally, at the end of our interview, I asked, why be on CCM's board to begin with? As with previous questions, I received some very well-thought answers from Astrid and Ricardo, but I'll let the co-president have the last word. The reason I'm on the board is just I, I love the ministry. I love all the people in it. Um, there's nothing I'd rather be doing with my time extracurricularly than, than helping it, you know, kind of get where it is. 
Uh, I am in Dye. I definitely am in other clubs. Um, but, you know, it's just, it doesn't give me the, the fulfillment that this does. And, uh, you know, it's, if I have to be spending my time doing administrative work for somebody, I, you know, I'd rather it be for this ministry. Um, yeah, there's, and I, I go to all the meetings anyways, so why not be part of it? Um, why not be part of everything? Why not help everybody out? Uh, so, so yeah, it's just, it's just, it just kind of seemed natural to me. There's no, there's no, there's no deep, you know, ambition behind it as much as just, you know, it's, it's, one of my favorite groups of people. And it's one of the, you know, it's the issue that I care the most about. Um, if you can call it an issue, it's the community that I care the most about. It's the religion I care the most about. I'll, and I'll leave it at that. Columbia Catholic Ministry meets frequently to say the least. For more information, visit their website or find them on social media at Columbia Catholics on Instagram and Columbia Catholic Ministry on Facebook. My thanks to Dre Carr, Ricardo Mercado, Virginia Agnelzi and Astrid Liden for their time, and to the blog editorial board for the green lights on this project. If there are any clubs you'd like to hear from, let us know. Contact us at tips at blog.com or find us on social media at blog. Thanks for listening. <laughs>